And I was at one of scores of tea drinking sessions in Mr. Masudi's office and saying, you know, Mr. Masudi, I think that the U.S. Embassy is going to have substantial support to offer the National Museum. Let's talk about what you would really prioritize as the needs for the museum. I should preface that I was also talking with other culture experts in Afghanistan about this at the same time to get a collective of views and opinions, and everybody had an opinion. But it was Mr. Masudi's opinion that was the most important. His first request was, he said, we really need a new museum. A whole new museum. A whole new museum. Let's just start from scratch. After 9-11, the U.S. overthrew the Taliban. A new government was formed in Afghanistan, and the National Museum was patched up. Artifacts returned to the galleries. But the feeling that the museum was vulnerable never quite went away. And every so often, bombings nearby would rattle the building and blow out windows. When Laura Tedesco visited the museum for the first time in 2010, she saw for herself how the small war-damaged building was struggling to contain the treasures of thousands of years of history. She met the elegant museum director, Omar Khan Masudi, who had risked his life over the years to protect the museum. She wanted to know what the U.S. could do to help. This is Monuments Woman with Laura Tedesco. I'm your host, George Gavrilis. If you're new to this podcast, we recommend going back to start with episode one. For everyone else, welcome back. Let's jump back in. December 5th, 2010. Spent several hours in the museum today with Mr. Masudi and Susanna discussing his vision for a new museum. It could work. Deserving, deserves to work. Reading Wallace Stevens tonight, it's oddly fitting. The idea was not that the United States was going to build a new museum. It was we were going to support the Afghan government's desire to create their own national museum. The United States never had the idea we would dictate the design, what went on display, what was written on museum labels for artifacts. That was absolutely not part of even any conception. It was what support can be offered to help the Afghan government's request that they would like a new national museum, which, by the way, was a very reasonable request. The building that it was in was nearly 100 years old. They were bursting at the seams. They couldn't keep up with the artifacts that they already had. It was packed to the gills. There's no fire system. It's like a repurposed office building. It's not really a museum. So the request was entirely reasonable. And you have to put it in the historical context, George. This was 2010, the height of U.S. engagement in Afghanistan. Over 100,000 troops, thousands of diplomats, pallets of money being flown in weekly. I mean, they could have asked for the Louvre. And at that time, somebody might have said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Fortunately, that, that, that was not what was asked for. So 
Then one starts the really hard work where you have a great idea, and then the hard work begins of how do you actually realize that idea. You can't do it in isolation. Everything is collaborative. Every step was made with Mr. Masudi. How do you organize an architectural competition, opening it up to architects of the world? When you put out an international architectural competition, and the ultimate goal is to build a building as a result of that, then the specifications that you put into that architectural competition's call for proposals, it has to reflect the realities of Kabul. What seismic zone is it in? What's the climate gradation from season to season? What's the air quality, for example? Where's the groundwater? What is the soil like? You know, what kind of land are you looking at? Is it prone to flooding or not, for example? So, and then not just the sort of engineering and environmental details, but then what will that building house? That has to all be included in the planning for this architectural competition so that architects could actually contribute designs that were not a fantasy, but realizable for the realities of Kabul. Did you still get fantasy entries, things that were just too spectacular or not viable for Afghanistan? Yeah, there were hundreds of submissions. Definitely among those were some what I referred to as trophy museums that might have been more appropriate in sort of a rich emirate country or Doha, but not quite right for the geography of Kabul and the realities of Kabul. And by reality, you mean something like a heavy snowfall weighing down the roof yeah, or really bad dust and, and pollution, yeah. putting a layer on the win- windows if there's too much glass like that. Yeah, exactly. The dust is a great thing. So a number of designs came in with sort of glass-topped roofs. And while that's lovely, and it may work if you have a team of groundskeepers who can go up weekly to sweep off the dust. But if you don't have that, then within about seven days, you won't be seeing anything out of those glass roofs because they'll be covered in dust and grime and pollution and or snow. So that's just one tiny detail of where designs that were submitted didn't quite reflect what was an operating reality in Afghanistan and in Kabul specifically. But there were many designs submitted that were just sublime. The competition was entirely anonymous so that when it came time for these designs to be evaluated, that was a whole process. I mean, we assembled a jury of international experts, including Afghans, and engineers from Europe and seismic structural engineers and museum specialists that was chaired by the Minister of Information and Culture and co-chaired by Vartan Gregorian before he passed away and a very gracious participant in this process. He's a topic for another time. It was a very well-considered assembled jury who could help evaluate the winning designs. The jury had no idea which architects had submitted designs, and some internationally renowned architects were participating in this competition. 
I didn't know who any of the architects were until after a winner was chosen. And in the end, there was a first, second, and third choice selected. And the first choice winner was and is an architect based in Barcelona. Are we mentioning the names of the architectural firms? They are public, right? They are public, yeah. Are, yeah. yeah, so the winning architectural firm is named AV62. The letter A, the letter V, 62. They were a relatively small firm based in Barcelona, and they were awarded first prize for what is a sublime design. The second place winner was another Spanish firm, this one based in Madrid called Mancio and Tunan. It was a bit more bold of a design than the winning one, but also exquisite. And third place, I believe, was an Italian architect whose name I can't recall. But there's a whole story. I mean, we had the first place winner. It was validated by the then Minister of Information and Culture, who we flew from Kabul to New York City to sort of participate in this evaluation of designs. He was grumpy the entire time because he wanted to be flown in business class. He really insisted on it. And when the U.S. government pays for a ticket, generally business class ticket is not purchased. And then he's an Afghan guy. This is worth telling because it really soured so much of the final decision-making of this architectural competition. And when an Afghan government official travels or any government, like federal government official travels overseas, the consulate or the embassy is responsible for taking care of that individual's arrival and details. When this minister arrived in New York City, the Afghan consulate in New York, no one had arranged for him to be picked up at Kennedy Airport. So he called me furious demanding that I pick him up at Kennedy Airport and holding me responsible for the Afghan government not having picked him up. And I don't think I've told anybody this story except my husband, that he made me cry because of that. And I was so angry that I almost was like, fuck it. <laughs> but he was being a little bitch. I have to say, yeah. I mean, it was it was almost shocking. But something happened with the ultimate selection in the end. There was a political intervention. There was a political intervention. I think it's important to mention that this is still the time of Hamid Karzai, President Karzai. Hamid Karzai, yes, was president at the time. And these first, second, and third place winners were presented to President Karzai, who was at the time the president of Afghanistan. Karzai decided he didn't like what the jury had selected and what his minister had endorsed as a selection. Karzai preferred second place and the more monumental, grandiose design. And so well, he had the final word. He did a, you know, too bad, so sad for first place. Karzai made a proclamation that he, in fact, wanted the design that did not win. 
he wanted second place. He wanted the Mancio and Tunan design, which was a bit more bold and sort of a statement museum. It slowed down the process by years because then the Afghan government, after announcements were made and award money was issued and checks were sent, the Afghan government said, you know what, actually, we Mancio and Tunan, we would like you to build a new national museum for Afghanistan. And they said, oh, no, thank you. We don't want to do that. We'd prefer not to do that. Really, we want you to do this. We'll facilitate it. We want your design to be the new national museum. And one might think that that would have been the end of the story, but it wasn't. The Afghan government sent a third letter. And the answer was a little different in response to the third letter. It said, no, we'll only do it if we do it in collaboration with the first place design, which was also by a Spanish firm. By then, Karzai was out of office. The project went dormant. President Ghani, who's president of Afghanistan, reinvigorated this entire idea. We're nearly 10 years into this project, more than 10 years from when Mr. Masoudi first uttered the words, we need a new museum. And where it is now is the winning Spanish architect, AV62, is working on blueprint designs for a new national museum. So is it going to happen? I don't know. There's no money to build it. We could start a GoFundMe. Well, I suppose we'll find some Gulf Arab country to, to fund it, but then they'll want the monumental design. Maybe. The one that, that looks more like what's in Qatar or Dubai. Yeah. Or Abu Dhabi. Yeah. One of the key features of the uh, AV62 design are these beautiful barrel vaults yeah. that are meant to be built with masonry and local material, which is brilliant. At the same time, when I back up and I look at the silhouette, it looks a little bit like army barracks to me. Mm. You know, So tell me some of the things that you love or don't love about the AV62 design. What's close to your heart about mm-hmm. it? I really appreciated the scale of the design and the, the the barrel vaults that you mentioned, that shape evokes a quotidian architectural style for Afghanistan. The scale of the building that AV62 envisioned was, in, in my opinion, I wasn't on the jury. I was an observer to it and not an architectural specialist by any stretch. So I just look at what sort of appeals to the eye. Sure, but you know what you like. Yeah, I know what I like. I liked the use of courtyards and natural light and all of that seemed uh, and seems so fitting. There was a real elegance to the design. There was something intimate about the AV62 design that appealed to me. I love the design and my heart really wants it to happen. Me too. You know that I love Afghanistan and its history and its people. And it's like such a misunderstood, underloved country. But I'm worried. I'm worried about building 
a beautiful, wonderful new national museum for the country. And then politically to have the Taliban take power a couple years down the road. And if not to despoil the museum or to harm the artifacts, to take anything that is not Islamic and to hide it in some warehouse or some underground depot where no one will ever see it again. And then the question becomes, what did we even do all this for? So how do you think about that? How do you wrestle with that? I have the same questions and the same concerns. These are even questions that were posed to be by naysayers 10 years ago. Why on earth would we build a museum? Aren't we just building a target for extremists? At that time, the Taliban was was less considered as the extremists who would come in, but it was extremists in general terms. Aren't we just building a target? And maybe my response was naive, and I would prefer to be naive in life than a cynic. But my response was, if we don't build it, aren't we kind of throwing in the towel already? So I don't have a direct answer, George. It's a question for the ages. And I don't know that the new museum of National Museum of Afghanistan is going to be built in the next two years. Maybe we'll have to wait another 10 years. Hey, and and that answer is certainly good enough for me. One more thing, Lori, are you any more comfortable with the title of this podcast, The Monuments Woman? Have you made any peace with it? No, no. It still feels like a pair of like snow boots that are too small that your mom makes you wear from last winter and you don't want to, but there they are. You need to put on your snow boots. Would you please come up with a better title? (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. You've been listening to Monuments Woman with Laura Tedesco. I'm your host, George Gavrilis. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To stay in touch, also follow us on Instagram at The Monuments Woman. Join us next week when we dive deeper. This show is produced by Christian D. Brown and May 11 Projects. It is recorded by Audovita Studios and edited by Sean Hedinger and Greg Williams. The theme song is This Love by Ariana Delawari, featuring Salar Nader. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.